Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Today is Monday, November the 6th, 2023. How are we feeling today? Oh, really? Why are you guys always in such a good mood? It's way too early for that. Now, glad to have you here. Don't forget to click that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday here on the Wake Up America Show from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. You want to come back and join us and uh, click that subscribe button so you don't forget. All right, let's get the show on the road. Why are Joe Biden's poll numbers cratering? We're looking at a New York Times poll out this weekend. The left is freaking out over this New York Times poll that shows that Trump is leading in five critical states. Voters are blasting Biden. This is a New York Times Siena poll. Voters in battleground states said they trusted Donald Trump over President Biden on the economy, foreign policy, and immigration. Mr. Biden's multiracial base is starting to break up. Oh, yes. It's an evil laugh, but we're not evil people here on the Wake Up America show. Don't forget, you can text us in today. Let us know what's on your mind. Text night or day, not just when we're live. I get text messages from people all the time. I was even responding to text messages over the weekend. The text line's always open at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. And another CBS News poll shows that if Trump wins, more voters foresee better finances and staying out of war. Oh, God, yes. You love to see it. You love to see it. Uh, that's really, that's how I feel too. Sounds like people are smart. All right, let's see what else we got on the show today. Oh, yeah, the Palestine protest. Did you see this over the weekend in Washington, D.C., London, all around the world? Hamas supporters, Queers for Palestine, Antifa, all getting out in the streets. And while it was obviously a, an ugly display with lots of vandalism, including at the White House and some of our uh, revered memorials and our statues in Washington, D.C., also some of it was actually quite comedic and hilarious, if not dark and frightening, of course, at the same time, when we saw Antifa and uh, Islamic terrorist supporters uh, going to battle over transgender children, which was, well, you wonder why Joe Biden's coalition is starting to fray around the edges. Well, it's because of things like that. Uh, very, very unlikely bedfellows. It's an interesting uh, uh, point of view to take that you, as a queer for Palestine, would support people who want to throw you off a building. So, hmm, fascinating. I've got video from many of the protests around the world. We're going to talk about that, react to it. Also, I'm fascinated by Douglas Murray, uh, a writer at The Spectator, who's become probably one of the most prominent defenders of Western values in recent months, and specifically since the October 7th attacks by Hamas terrorists against uh, Israeli civilians. Uh, Douglas Murray has been speaking out uh, against the Muslim presence in Great Britain, which is fascinating to see a gay conservative man becoming one of the most prominent spokesman for conservative ideals, which, you know, is a weird world we live in. We're going to talk about that. I've got some great clips from Douglas Murray where he's been talking about uh, the anti-Semitism that's flying around in the world right now and his reactions to it. And you'll get to hear some of the most enlightening points of view that we have on that. Speaking of enlightening points of view this morning, we got Mark McCluskey joining us, McCluskey USA. 
You guys remember him? The AR-15 gun guy pointed his gun at the Black Lives Matter protesters that burst onto his property, him and his wife's property in St. Louis. They ran for U.S. Senate here in the state of Missouri. He's become a friend of the show. McCluskey's been speaking out about these issues as well. I'd love to hear his conservative take about things. He's going to join us this morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. So about 25 minutes from now, if you'd like to hear Mark McCluskey's POV, he'll be joining us this morning. We're looking forward to that. Uh, I th- this was a good clip, I, it, just a short one of Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.51 this morning. I'm looking forward to playing this. Vivek uh, Ramaswamy responds to attacks against him that uh, people say the president must be a Christian, which, of course, he is a Hindu, uh, which I find fascinating. And I liked his response to uh, that. And he's got a really nice little clip. We'll play that if we have time. At 8 o'clock this morning, I tried to get Nick Freitas on the show, but I think he's traveling at the moment, so I wasn't able to book him for you. But he did a really good video uh, dropped over the weekend about why is it that no other countries want to take in the Palestinians or take in refugees or take in the Palestinians. And Nick Freitas really nailed it with a quick little four-minute video at 8 a.m. Central. So in the second hour, top of the second hour of the show, we're going to play that clip from Nick Freitas where he talks about or he answers the question, why is it that no other countries want the Palestinians in their territory? So if you're looking for an answer to that question, you've been hearing that around online or people uh, talking about over the water cooler, then you're definitely going to want to hear that interview or uh, hear that video at eight o'clock. And at 830 this morning, we're going to speak to Ian Howarth. You guys remember Ian? Ian's going to talk a little bit about uh, as a Jewish, as a young Jewish conservative, uh, how he feels about the Palestine protests that have been occurring around the country. Uh, and we'll get his take on that. Also, really, just as we send off the show today, I'm really excited to to share this little tip. If you're a frequent flyer or if you just maybe if you just fly two or three times a year, I've got a little secret trick for you, a hidden button on your airplane seat that you probably didn't even know existed. I didn't know existed, but a flight attendant made a video that went viral uh, about this little airplane hack for travelers who are looking to get more comfortable in their seats. And there is a hidden button that we didn't know about. I think you're definitely going to want to stick around till the end of the show to hear that little life hack. What do you think? Okay, great. Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's talk about the news here. If Trump wins, more voters foresee better finances and staying out of war. That's according to CBS. With views of things in America continuing to be bad and now hitting their most negative marks of the year, Usually, you might expect uh, you know an incumbent president to trail in election polls. That's true. Joe Biden definitely is trailing in the polls, but that's only half of the story here, because the other half is that Donald Trump is holding distinct advantages in his own right when voters are looking forward at what the what is to come for our country. More voters think that we would be better off financially if Trump wins in twenty four and. Maybe even more importantly, more voters think it's Donald Trump that can keep the United States out of a war. Yeah. Uh, What's happening right now? Why the crack up? Well, Mr. Biden's Democratic base is looking a lot more shaky than Trump's going into next year, right? So on the financial matters, Biden hasn't really made the case to his fellow Democrats that he's going to help them financially. He's going to address inequality, which is important to them. Right. And certainly he has not convinced his base the same way that Donald Trump 
has convinced his base because as we reported last week, at the moment, 76% of Republican voters think that we need to stop the debates. Of course, there's a Republican debate this week. A a super majority of Republicans think that we shouldn't be having any more debates and everybody needs to get behind Trump. I know that DeSantis supporters are kind of clinging to the hope of Iowa because the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, has announced that she's going to be changing her support and she's going to be uh, endorsing Ron DeSantis. And she's a very popularly elected governor in the state of Iowa. I believe she won Iowa by 18 points and Trump only won by eight points from what I can remember. Uh, somebody feel free to check, fact check me on that one. Um, and, and so there, uh, a lot of the DeSantis supporters think, oh, well, there's a ray of hope there. Maybe there is, right? But again, it, Iowa's not really a good bellwether for necessarily who's going to be the Republican presidential candidate. Uh, and, and listen, I have nothing unkind to say about Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, and I haven't endorsed anyone in this race yet. I just happen to see the tea leaves, be reading the tea leaves, and I believe that Donald Trump will be the next Republican presidential candidate. I think that he's going to win eventually. Don't hate DeSantis people. I still, you know, d- you know, think DeSantis is a great guy, but I just think, uh, you know, it's it's probably over. It's not, you know, it's not over to the fat lady sings. Hey, as somebody who's run a couple of losing campaigns, I can sometimes see when the writing's on the wall. Uh, but um, and, and certainly, I've been bad at predicting things in the past. But I'll say that uh, at this point in time, I would call, I would bet my own money that it will be Trump. But uh, this New York Times poll, this is devastating for the Democrats. Trump leads in five critical states. Voters are blasting Biden. Voters in battleground states said they trusted Donald J. Trump over President Biden on the economy, foreign policy, and immigration. Mr. Biden's multiracial base is what's starting to crack up. So they're all starting to split along these lines, and the conflict in the Middle East has really been one of the bellwethers for this one. So Biden is trailing Trump in five of the six most important battleground states. One year, right? We're one year out right now. Uh, what, the election is literally what, to the sixth? I think it's on the sixth, isn't it? So one year from today, we might have a new president of the United States, right? So uh, the people who are po- who have been polled in these battleground states, they are suffering enormous doubts about the age of President Joe Biden and his his handling of the economy, as well as a host of other issues. Again, this is a New York Times poll, so they don't want to print the results of this poll. They don't like having to do these kinds of stories, as you know, because they would much prefer the, to showcase a poll that is showing them, uh, showing them up. And I say them because I see the mainstream media largely as, of course, uh, um, an arm of the Democratic Party. But the results show Mr. Biden losing to Trump by margins of four to 10 percentage points among registered voters in uh, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. That one kind of shocked me. Mr. Biden is only ahead in Wisconsin by two percentage points, the poll found. Yikes. So across these the six battleground states that were polled by the New York Times, uh, and Biden won all of those in 2020, the president trails by an average of 48 to 44 percent. So a majority of voters say Mr. Biden's policies have personally hurt them. Okay. The survey also reveals the extent to which the multiracial 
and multi-generational coalition that elected Mr. Biden is coming apart at the seams. Demographic groups that had been backing Mr. Biden in 2020 are now much more closely contended, and two-thirds of the electorate sees the country moving in the wrong direction. I wonder what your thoughts on this. Don't forget, you can send us in a text today at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Someone says, my soundboard isn't working. I have no idea. Andy Opperman says, looks like your soundboard isn't working at 710 a.m. Am I off on this? Um, somebody let me know what's going on here. Uh, it looks as if it's popping. I have no idea why it wouldn't be, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. So you can send me a text if somebody else is having some issues as well. Uh, it does look as if I see it popping on the screen. So you can text me at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Let's hear from hip hop star Macklemore on the conflict in the Middle East. This is absolutely beautiful to observe today. I didn't expect to be on a microphone, but there are thousands of people here that are more qualified to speak on the issue of a free Palestine than myself. But I will say this. They told me to be quiet. They told me to do my research, to go back, that it's too complex to say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. Okay, so he doesn't know enough, but he knows enough that it is a genocide. Oh, okay, I get what's going on. You're not hearing my sound effects. That's what you're saying, the sound effects. Okay, well, I know why the why that is. Well, it's because of things like this. Because I forgot to turn on the sound effects board. My bad, I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway, so Macklemore, he took three weeks, and he doesn't I'm know enough. To say but something, right? Isn't this like a perfect indication for like, all of the uh, the ANCAPs and the Queers for Palestine and the Antifa types, like this is a perfect representation of their views. To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. <laughs> What a schlemiel, as they might say. What are your thoughts on that? You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Israelis are really bad at genocide. Very true. (laughs) Barney, they never seem to pull it off, do they? Blue Trike says, I don't hate the soundboard, but I don't miss it either. We appreciate that. Floby Tenderson, he's dropping an ad for us. We appreciate that. AP needs you to buy him a subscription to Founding Flavors Coffee. Uh, Thomas's painkiller keeps the show running more smoothly. Amen. Amen. Keeps a lot of things running smoothly. If you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Anyways. All right. Well, no more from the, the dotard, uh, caucus. Let's hear the, uh, protesters outside on the white house lawn of the weekend.
And there they are, right outside the White House, chanting Allah Akbar, right inside the White House. And here they are painting outside the White House walls, vandalizing the uh, gates of the White House. Genocide Joe, they're calling him. Genocide Joe. Genocide Joe. Genocide Joe. Fascinating. Here they are in London, uh, outside the next to the Winston Churchill statue. There's Big Ben. By the way, this uh, chant of God is great by uh, the Islamists here uh, reminds me of an excellent book recommendation to make for you. Uh, If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend Christopher Hitchens' book, uh, God is Not Great, which I thought was a really excellent rejoinder to Allahu Akbar. Anyway, since we're looking here for the funnies and the funsies, we're going to have Mark McCluskey joining us here in about 12 minutes. Uh, Here we have Antifa members running into the uh, the uh, Islamists and having a conversation about transgender children. Here's Antifa meets Islam. To propagate anti-LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they are not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Suck your mum, bro. They're not. They're not. Black male Palestinian is a man, my boy. Stop talking. Stop talking. Let him stop religion. You can't do that. Yeah, you have to respect that decision. That's true. In some religions, they accept you, but in our religion, you can't do that. See, this is why in all of these debates, I make it important that while I am not religious and I believe that all of the metaphysical claims of all religions are false, I don't believe that all religions are equally anti-libertarian. And there's, that's why there is a special enmity that I hold for Islam because it is the most anti-libertarian of all of the religions. So I find it fascinating that here we have it you know, personified, showing their intolerance for other people and stating very clearly that in their religion, that, is not tol- that will not be tolerated. And of course, they want a theocracy. So if they were to be governing a country, as they do, in 22 Arab nations, and of course, Islamists govern the, Hama, the, the, uh, the Hamas Strip, the Gaza Strip, <laughs> it is absolutely verboten. Some religions, yeah. some religions they accept that, but in our religion you can't do that. So we, we don't um, agree with your faith. I'm not religious, I'm Antifa. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a religion, I'm Antifa. Well, you do have a religion. Your religion, of course, is Antifa. What do you identify as God? What do you identify as God? What do you identify as God? Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, you don't have listen, listen. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. No, no, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Look at him, look at him cowering with his tail between his legs. Look at them cowering, running away with their tail beneath their legs. (laughs) Brendel Bear brings a good question. Aren't these Muslim women supposed to be keep quiet and be covered? (laughs) You guys are being funny.
course, we all know what Islamists do whenever they are governing a country. But look, when these Antifa, these people think that they should be in charge. Look at them cower and run away in the face of evil. These are the people who are building a coalition that's supposed to get Joe Biden elected next year. It's thankfully for the rest of it, looks like it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. What I find fascinating is, you know, this is obviously in London, but like, what about in DC? Where was the FBI when, when no, things like this were going down? Look at this. This is Benjamin Franklin. Statue of Benjamin Franklin in there. Let me pull that back a little bit so you can see that. Here it is. Benjamin Franklin putting a, um, is it Kafir on? forget what the name of that is. Free Palestine marked all over our statues there in Washington, D.C. Andrew Jackson with the Palestinian flag. Man, Andrew Jackson knew how to handle him, the native, the restless natives, didn't he? Uh, what liberals think the Middle East is like. I like this one. Very funny. Excellent in the context of that uh, Antifa versus Islamist, right? This is what the, uh, this is what liberals think that the Mideast is like. Absolutely haram there. This is haram either way, says Brindle Bear. Absolutely correct. Uh, here we have the uh, uh, pro-Palestinian protesters scaling the gates at the White House. If these were MAGA hat-wearing conservatives, they would have been shot dead on Are the gates of the White House. Bro, I promise you that they would not be treating them this way or allowing people to do that on the gates. Look at them climbing up on the gates. They would not be allowing them to do that if that was anybody else. Olympus has fallen indeed. Um, Douglas Murray has become one of the more outspoken critics of Islamists in the Western world and defenders of Western democracies. Douglas Murray says, these are the innocent people of Gaza, people rejoicing in the slaughter of Jews who spit on the bodies of murdered Jewish women and now watch replays for lols. Uh, remember, we it's a key talking point for from people like um, Dave Smith and others that uh, Israel is cutting off the water and the electricity to uh, Gaza. Looks pretty lit up. Here's Gaza. This is on November 4th near the Shifa Hospital. Public screening a video clip showing Hamas terrorists attacking IDF forces in northern Gaza. He says he doesn't see any electricity shortage. Everybody's with their cell phones cheering to the clips. I, I can't tell you how many times retarded anarchists have said to me, uh, pro-Palestinian uh, anarchists have said to me, like, how are they supposed to, to get text messages from Israelis that their cities are being bombed when they don't have electricity because it's being cut off for them by the IDF? Well, looks like they got some mother trucking electricity. <laughs> Here they are. They're watching the clips of the massacres. Public screening. wonder why nobody wants them in their country. Fascinating. And I, I, I was actually compelled by Douglas Murray's um, uh, quips, clever quips in this clip as well. 
they come up with this idea, for instance, that there are indigenous people who were, who were, who were moved out. The Palestinians are indigenous people and they were moved out by the Jews. You can do that if you want. Now let's do Britain. You want to play the indigenous people own the land first game and the other people should fuck off? I do not want to live in a country with Hamas supporters. I want them deported. I want them chucked out. Simple. If there are people in the UK who are offended by the posters of missing Jewish children, they must leave. So I think that was an interesting point there, right? So if the indigenous people are the ones who have a claim to a land, and then the infidels, the outsiders must leave, uh, shouldn't that apply to Western nations as well, if you're going to take that tack, right? I'm not saying I endorse that. I'm simply saying that Douglas Murray makes a good point there about the hypocrisy of the left. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Take a listen to this. ITV decided to give a platform to this woman who, in the wake of the terrorist attacks in Israel that left 1,400 dead and more than 200 taken hostage, well, she was on ITV complaining about Islamophobia in the UK. This is Latifa Abush Chakra, and this is what she had to say after the October 7 attack. Nothing will ever be able to take back this moment, this moment of triumph, this moment of resistance, this moment of surprise, this moment of humiliation on behalf of the Zionist entity. Nothing ever. Douglas, the, the glee, the joy there, it's psychotic. Yes, um, uh, it's psychotically evil. Uh, it's evil on an unimaginable magnitude uh, that anyone could react to the deliberate slaughter of civilians of any kind, anywhere in the world like that. Um, if this was to be anybody else who'd said that about the murder of any other minority or any other nationality, they would be nowhere near uh, civilized society. In fact, they'd be ostracized, probably chased out. Um, but this woman was actually invited by ITV onto the, one of those main channels. Uh, and she, uh, yeah, she talked about how tough it is to be Muslim in Britain. Uh, she, she had a very different demeanor that day, I can tell you, Rita. It wasn't the gleeful, grinning, maniac, psychotic that she put on. Uh, a, a meek, uh, humble and, and worried uh, look as she talked about how difficult it is to be a Muslim in Britain. Now, as I say, we are being played. We are. Yes, and I think we're all being played as well. Let's hear from Mark McCluskey. He's no player. He's going to give it to us straight when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Really hey, how would you describe it, Jew? They're, they're devils. Who's at fault? The Jews. The Jews. Always been a problem. So if they do take Palestine, where do the 12 million Jews go? Go to hell. Yeah, that's the literal slogan. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Okay, if we free Palestine, where do the Jews go? Hey, go back to Brooklyn, bitch! Shout out to Kanye. He was right. Go to Kandakawa, How do I know that you are... That I'm not a Jew? Get the fuck out of my face! Get out of my face! The Hamas put the action they've taken. It's not a terrorist attack. I am clear for Palestine, yes. What do you think about the argument when people are saying in Gaza they kill gay people? It's very unsafe to be queer here, too. If you but they're not actually killing gay people for being gay by law, right? The way it is in Gaza. But why do we keep going back to, like, 
Gaza. Why is there such a basis for them to have a homeland? Nobody else has a homeland. Where are you from, if you don't mind me asking? My family's from Afghanistan. And in Afghanistan, by the way, so that's a Muslim country, right? Predominantly, yes. So would you consider that your homeland? Yes, and so I guess I do have a claim over that, but you can't claim Israel. Yeah, that makes sense. They're queer. They're going to advocate for terrorists killing people's children. Joining us now to discuss Palestine protests over the weekend is Mark McCluskey. He's the host of McCluskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Joining us live this morning, you guys know him as the AR-15 gun guy. What's up, Mark? How you doing? Oh, doing pretty good. How are you doing this morning? Pretty good. Uh, so I stand on the side of the civilized countries. I stand on the side of the West, Mark. I believe in individual liberty. I may not agree with transgenderism here in the United States. I may not agree with uh, the left, but I think they should have their own points of view. Why do we see so many people, Antifa, queers for Palestine, you know, anarcho-capitalists for Hamas, homos for Hamas, why do we see this this leftist coalition? How do, how do these people even make sense of what it is that they they're standing for right now in the light of these terrorist attacks? How do you make sense of it? Well, you know, sense never enters into the equation these days. Um, here's the thing: I'm a I'm a tremendous advocate of the United States Constitution, of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and you can't just have freedom of the of the speech that you like. And whether you're pro Palestinian, pro Gazan pro-Israeli, pro-Jew, you can't say that, that our speech is the only speech that should be allowed. And by the way, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a pacifist by heart, and I think that, that an all war is a bad thing, and I think that sometimes you know, people get, we should determine our, our national policy by logic and reason, not by emotion and issues of, of revenge and, and intolerance. Um, and all these things are just totally upside down now. We got our we got our national policy based on lies, based on emotion, based on propaganda. You know, I listen from time to time to Al Jazeera. I hear their propaganda. I listen to the mainstream American media. I hear their propaganda. What you don't hear on any side is anything that you can depend on as being the truth. And that when we're in a world where all sides are lying to you, it's hard to know uh, what side is 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 you know more accurate. Which which lies are the less are the least lying? No kidding, Mark. Uh, listen, I don't want the United States to get involved in another war in the Middle East. I don't want us to be sending American taxpayer dollars or weapons to Ukraine to fight in that conflict. I don't want the United States to be involved in funding and getting involved in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. I think Israel does much better uh, if they don't have their hands tied behind their backs, especially because the Democrats are in charge of foreign policy at this point. The last thing I want them to do is meddling in the affair between uh, Israel and Hamas. I wonder what your take is on it, though, Mark. A lot of Republicans, I think probably most Republicans would disagree with me and think, no, it should be the role of the United States to defend Israel militarily and financially. That's not a, a view I share. I, I believe moral support, diplomatic support, perhaps intelligence support, and especially in order to bring back American hostages and make sure that they're that they're safe. But that's a different question from the military and financial question. Where are you at on that, Mark? Well, first of all, I'm I've always unabashedly America first. And as I said on my program yesterday, until Arab terrorism starts killing 107,000 Americans a year, I'm going to claim that Arab terrorism isn't our greatest threat when we've got 107,000 people a year, twice the number of people that died in the entire Vietnam conflict dying every year from opioid overdoses, the vast majority of which comes through the southern border. You know, you talked about the the, the, the uh, Democrats being in charge of, of foreign policy. 
they have a foreign policy. I haven't seen it so far. The policy is let the world do what it wants and we'll throw dollar bills at it and eventually American soldiers. But what, what you need to remember is there's Turkey involved. The, uh, the, the president of Turkey wants to be the leader of a Sunni Muslim world. You've got Iran. There's Shia Muslims. They want to be the rulers of the Islamic world. They would be natural adversaries except for what's going on in Gaza right now, which is drawing them together, creating a coalition of the Islamic world against Israel and against the United States. There are you know, more than a half a million Turks under arms right now. They're a 12-hour march from the, from the Israeli border. They can draw up 2 million people in a month. They've got the same submarines that the Israelis have. The uh, Iranians, 90 million people in Turkey, about 60 million in Iran. They've got an army, 610,000 people under arms right now in Iran. You know how many people the United States Army has? 452,000. We, we aren't the projector of worldwide power that we were 20 years ago. And God knows not 50 years ago when I was growing up. We have a small, disorganized, poorly outfitted, and poorly supplied military, which we cannot afford to destroy. I mean, we've already decimated our, our war reserves in supporting this, this BS in Ukraine. Uh, and now we're going to try to get ourselves in a, in a fighting war, in a ground war maybe, with uh, you know Muslim states the size of Turkey and Iran, and then, of course, Russia, with uh, a million, 100,000 people in their standing army and another half, another million in reserve. How about the Chinese that are the direct supporters of Iran, who are the direct supporters of Hezbollah and Hamas? China's got 2 million people in their army. They've got the biggest Navy in the world. How much fun is it going to be? <clears throat> and then you got to throw in the thing that nobody else talks about. What's the only nation in the Middle East that's armed with nuclear weapons? And that's Israel. Israel's got hundreds of nuclear weapons. They've got short-term weapons, uh, short-range weapons. They got intermediate range missiles. They've got ICBMs. They can strike anywhere in the world. If they start getting pushed out, if they start seeing their civilization crumble, are they going to resist the urge to use some nukes? If the Turkish army, a half a million Turks, start marching through Syria, are they really going to resist trying to nuke that, that invasion? Then what happens? Palestine's already said that if, if Turkey gets involved in the war, that they will provide nuclear weapons to Turkey. All of a sudden, we have World War III. I mean, I was out in Clinton, Missouri over the weekend, uh, had to drive past right my Air Force base, and I'm thinking, you know, if World War III happens, this is this is going to be one of the hot spots instantly. Where you know our B uh, two bomber base, uh, not to mention all the nuke silos out there in western Missouri. I mean, this is a very 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 serious situation, and we've got morons in charge. We've got we've got uh, you know a senile man who who gets direction from the Easter Bunny, who's allegedly the leader of the free world. We don't know as Americans right now who's actually running our country because everybody knows that Joe Biden can't be doing it. And yet here we have a country on the verge of war on two fronts, being led by we don't know whom. And that's got to be terrifying to everybody. You're just tuning into the Wake Up America show. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Click the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the commentary. I'm speaking to Mark McCluskey, former U.S. Senate candidate of the Republican Party here in the state of Missouri, also known as the AR-15 gun guy resisted an invasion, his own invasion, from Black Lives Matter activists onto his own private property, uh, he and his wife. 
And uh, he's joining us now to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Palestine protests that happen here in the United States. I, I wonder, though, uh, your reaction to seeing these Palestinian protesters climbing the fences at the White House, defacing and vandalizing our memorials and statues in Washington, D.C. What do you think when you see that, Mark? Well, I think about all my friends who have gotten convicted about January. I think about my friend uh, Jeff Zink's son, Ryan, who got uh, convicted a month ago uh, for being there and videoing his father for a campaign. His, the dad, Jeff Zink's running for Congress in Arizona. The uh, judge declared him guilty before the trial. The judge says you can put on your defense if you want to, but you're guilty. Took the jury 30 minutes to convict him and uh, gave him, recommended 21 years in prison for doing nothing more than videotaping. They acknowledge he was never in the Capitol building, but he's part of an insurrection. The people storming the White House yesterday are just peaceful protesters. They don't, they're not insurrectionists. They're not going to get arrested. They're not going to go to prison. Uh, and so we, we, there's nothing like the rule of law in the United States anymore. We live in a police state where Whereas one of my friends puts it, instead of being innocent until proven guilty, now you're guilty until proven Democrat. And that's, that's the world we live in today. And there's, there's no justice. There's no access to, to a, a fair and unbiased judicial system. We have a federal uh, Department of Justice and FBI that are just elements of the, the coercive arm of the powers that be. And I don't call them Democrats. And I don't, you know, there's a uniparty there. And there is a swamp. There are the big dollar donors. There are there is a machine that runs everything, regardless of who gets elected, and, and that's why why people are getting discouraged because they don't see the possibility of political of a political solution to this problem. And and it, uh, I you know I, I saw a poll yesterday where a majority of people believe that there is not a political solution to our problem, and the opposite of a political solution is a very unpleasant one. I have a a, a quick question for you, Mark, and then I'd like to. I, I, the answer will help me set up the next question. Just so I'm curious, I want to make sure I'm clear. Do you agree with me that it, that the United States should not be funding or getting militarily involved in the conflict between Israel and Hamas? I, I totally agree. I think that the Israelis are absolutely capable of defending themselves. I think that uh, the, the if if they were, I'll, let me phrase it this way: if we weren't giving them unlimited, um, unquestioning support. They might be a little more judicious in what they're doing. Interesting. I think that, or they I might think, be less. They might yeah. be less. They might actually be. They might actually go in and because a lot of American policy has been to tie their hands behind their backs to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. But by the same token, so you, you know, you've got the um, the the war at any cost. Republicans that uh, they're really promoting it. You've got the Democrats that are now trying to moderate it, kind of, but also giving you know supporting uh, Israel. But the, uh, the problem is, of course, that uh, if, they, if they go in there and they continue to do what they're doing, and that is in the course of trying to wipe up Hamas, and, and, and people need to remember that uh, our government always talks about uh, democratic politics, how important it is to support democratic uh, nations. Well, Hamas is a democratically elected government of Gaza. And I saw two days ago that the, uh, uh, the West Bank Palestinians if, if uh, they had an election today, would elect Hamas to be the government of the West Bank as well. So this is their democratically elected government. The, uh, the, the residents of the West Bank are mad at their government, at Mahmoud Abbas, not because he's uh, being too, too hard 
on Israel, not because he's supporting Hamas, but because he's being too soft. And they want they want a Hamas-like government. So that's that's what happens when you kick the ant mile. Mark, and uh, so Mark, over the weekend, uh, uh, Barack Obama came out and said that um, that obviously the terror attacks were horrendous and that Israel deserves the right to defend themselves. But he says, but there's blood on both of their hands. And he says that you really have to try and be objective when you're looking at this conflict. Is he right? You know, I'd, I'd hate like anything to agree with Barack Obama on any principle. But I, I would say this, that just because you're Palestinians doesn't mean you, you, you don't have to obey international law. You, the, the, the Israel, by the same token, was also a signatory on the, on the Geneva Convention. And they should need to respect the, the rules of war. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, using civilians, starving them, uh, bombing them uh, is, is against the Geneva Convention. Using them as human shields is against the Geneva Convention. So both parties here are doing things which the which their supporters on the outside would say any the the ends justify the means because the other side is acting barbarous. And the problem is, regardless of your right to defend yourself, which Israel of course has every right to do, the problem is that it gives the other side propaganda opportunities like they've never had before. And instead of having an a an Islamic world which is at each other's Iranians versus uh, Saudis, Saudis versus Turks, Turks versus Saudis. Now you have a, a, a cause that can draw them together with enormously unpleasant consequences. And so at the risk of agreeing with Barack Obama and God forbid even, even Cory Bush, um, I think that, uh, that there, there is cause on both sides to, to, to back up a little bit. And, uh, and obviously what Hamas did was horrible. You gotta wonder. I had a guest on my program who is an expert in the area three weeks ago and all this started, who was talking about the tremendous intelligence uh, uh, blunders on the part of Israel and how the Israeli intelligence really failed. I don't believe it. I mean, this country is, a, is the most heavily surveilled place in the world. The Gaza Strip is, what, six miles wide, 25 miles long, and been occupied by, by the Israelis for, you know, since 2005 now. Did they really miss, you know, a bunch of guys coming in on pickup trucks and, and hand gliders, or, or, you know, God forbid, was this was this a uh, an opportunity for them to create a crisis? Who knows these things? I go back to what I said at the beginning. In a world where everybody lies to you in the press, how in the world can you know what the truth is? How in the world can you know how to assess who's the bad guy and who's the good guy when everybody's lying? And by the way, the president of the United States gets on television and says. He's seen video of beheaded babies, and then the next day has to say, well, I haven't actually seen those pictures, but I'm told they exist, right? And so, who knows? But, you know, yes, let's assume that Hamas killed some kids. Let's assume that Israel has now killed thousands of kids. Who's right? Who's wrong? What's the truth? Who should you support? I support the cause of peace always, because who, who gets hurt in war? Innocent civilians get hurt in war. And the, the leaders of Hamas are sitting in luxury hotels. The leaders of Israel aren't on the front line. Who is on the front line? Teenagers. And who is standing between the teenagers shooting at each other? Innocent civilians. And that's, that's always where I come down to. If there's a peaceful solution, it ought to happen. If there's not a peaceful solution, unless the core interests of the United States are intimately involved, we should stay the heck out of it. 
Absolutely agree there, Mark McCloskey. Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or pl- uh, plug your show before we let you go? I'll plug the show. I uh, we we show uh, Sunday evenings five to six on the News Talk STL. You can catch me on X, formerly known as Twitter, on my Facebook feed on Rumble, and we usually have some some interesting guests. Uh, we had uh, Colonel John Mills on yesterday, who's a Mid East expert and military intelligence expert. He and I differed a little bit in what we perceived the outcome to be. He uh, thought that the Arab world will not unite against Israel because, for example, Turkey and Saudi Arabia are mortal enemies. I, I hope he's right. Uh, I have my doubts. Okay, Mark McCluskey, McCluskey USA on X.com. Mark, thanks so much for getting up early and for being so generous with your time today. We're very grateful. Well, thanks for having me on. You take care. Thank you very much. That's Mark McCluskey. What do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Again, text line is open. We'd love to hear from you. And we are getting some text messages this morning. One gentleman who's joining us this morning disagrees with my uh, pro-Israel view on this. He says that you should have other voices on to understand them better. Everyone you invite on other than Napolitano, who should run for POTUS, either leans pro-Israel or is full-on pro-Israel. Why not invite pro-Palestinian voices on? You like debate. Um, I've been debating pro-Palestinian people on other people's podcasts, but it's my show and I like to project my point of view. I wouldn't mind if we had somebody on my show. The problem is, is that, and with this specific commenter, is that the people who he's advocated for to have on the show have been shown to uh, spread you know, inaccurate propaganda from other things. So I want people on who have actually been accurate in their um, in their uh, understandings of this conflict. So if you have anyone who is is you know better than the ones that you suggested, please let me know. Uh, I'd love a list of names. So yeah, definitely don't mind having people on who disagree with me, but since it's my show and my point of view, I want to spread my point of view. That's the whole point of this, right? So spreading the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. I, you know, people who want to come on here and spread the ideas against personal liberty or against economic freedom, that's fine, but it's a liberty show. So uh, again, text us in, let us know, 573-319-1586. You can text us night or day and let us know what's on your mind. I also want to remind you that our show is brought to you by Gold, our friends at Lear Capital. We've got a great deal going on still in the month of November. I spoke to them yesterday. they still got that $500 count credit waiting for you if you've been wanting to buy gold. What an amazing gift. If you've got the chinks, the shekels, and you want to give some to your lovely bride or your wife, for Christmas, imagine if she opens up a nice little case and inside, instead of a gold ring or a gold necklace, she's got a gold bar. What do you think she, her reaction to that is going to be like? It's going to be completely different. I mean, sure, you, she went to, you went to Jared's, right? You could get her the standard diamond thing. But I mean, I think that you'll, you'll know what kind of woman you got if when she opens up her gift and she sees a gold bar there, she goes... <gasps> my god and she freaks out and she's so amazed because she knows she's got a freaking gold bar right there a bar of gold and you know what if you've got a gar bar of, a gar of gold a bar of gold uh, or if you've got gold coins you can also turn those into jewelry if you want it's up to you can melt them down but i don't know ladies i'm actually curious what would you think if your husband or your boyfriend gave you an actual gold bar right if he gave you like a bunch of like little gold bars how would you react to that Right, what if you get like five grand worth of gold bars? What would you think? Send us a text. Let me know. 573-319-1586. 573-319-1586.
If you're interested in getting such an amazing gift for one of your family members, visit LearAustin.com to get a gold and silver information packet. But if you want to get that $500 account credit, you got to call that number on the screen, 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. Let us know what you think. All right, when we get back, we're going to ask the question, or answer the question, why is it that other countries do not want Palestinian refugees or Palestinian people within their borders? Nick Freitas did a really great video. We're going to we're going to play that for you and respond to it when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. America is a country founded on Judeo-Christian values. That's the truth. I'm Hindu. I'm not Christian. And the easy thing for me to do as a politician would be to change my name to Vic or Vicky and pretend to be Christian. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to be very honest about who I am. What does that mean? I was raised in a faith tradition. We believe in one true God. There are many branches of Hinduism. I believe in one true God. That's what I was raised in. That God works through us. It's not being done by us. We're his instruments. That's what I believe. And we say in the tradition I was raised in, we are all equal because God resides in each of us. That's the same thing I learned in the Christian schools that I went to for high school, which is to say that we're all equal because we're equal in the eyes of God. So I share those values in common. I'll say a couple of things. Someone brought up the Declaration of Independence in that context. Let's talk again about that man who signed the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson. He was a deist. He was not a traditional Christian. He made the Jefferson Bible, taking the philosophical parts of the New Testament with a razor blade, gluing them together. But Jefferson was not a Christian in any traditional sense of the word. He was a deist. And so all I would say is that if it's your belief that somebody has to be a Christian to be president, then I couldn't be your president. And neither could Thomas Jefferson either. But I'm not running for pastor. I'm running for president. And I think that Christians and non-Christians across the country can tell the difference between the two. Both are important, but they're different roles. And in the role of president, we require somebody who shares the founding values of this country, that swears an oath to the Constitution. A Constitution that was, as John Adams said, written for a moral people. That's true. But more than any other candidate, I actually think I can bring back the importance of faith and family and hard work and patriotism in this country to make those values cool again for the next generation. And and people, if I could add one last point on this, uh, let's get real here. Let's really, (laughs) we're at a stage of the campaign and I I say we speak the truth and I love that people feel free with me. I'm going to feel free back. I don't think anybody I've met voted for Donald Trump because he was a Christian. I just don't think that's why they voted for him. They voted for him because he was going to get a job done that the U.S. president needed to get done. Well, I'm an outsider coming in to take that job and get it done to the next level. If you didn't vote for Donald Trump because he was a Christian, then hold me to the same standard as well. That's some real talk. And I think that that's why I do trust people across this country to tell the difference between who's their pastor and who's their president. And that's the same value set we share in common that's going to revive this country. You think about that. Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are you feeling today? Everybody in a good mood? It's 8.01 a.m. on 11-6-2023. We're glad to have you here. Click that like button. And if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing this morning, subscribe to the channel. So you can come back and join us here on the show every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. You can send us a text this morning at 573-319-1586. That's 
319-1586 is the text line if you'd like to have your voice heard on the show. And remember, you can text us at any time, night or day, Monday through, you know, or Sunday through Saturday here on the Wake Up America show, and I will respond to your text messages. As a matter of fact, I was texting back and forth with people over the weekend, over this last weekend. So if you want to talk to us anytime, you have questions for me, you want to send a guest, just make sure you hit up that text line at 573-319-1586. Again, what I recommend you do is you program that into your phone, let them know, that way you know that it's uh, the AP for Liberty show, the Wake Up America show, so you can come you know, anytime. You just want to be like, hey, Austin, I found this awesome clip. Send me, you know, news items, stories, things like that. Um, that way you, uh, we're getting out the, the word to the people. What do you say, huh? 573-319-1586 is the text line. All right. So someone was asking me, on, specifically on the text line, if you don't mind, explain, explain, I missed part of it. What is the hypocrisy on the left regarding indigenous people again? Well, so, so for example, what the, the left is arguing is that, you know, that the indigenous people are the Palestinians and that the Israelis are the occupiers, right? Well, and, and so the Israelis should leave, right? From the river to the sea, they say, Palestine must be free, which is eliminationist, right? If you go from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, then it's no longer Israel. You're, you're eliminating the, the concept of the state of Israel. So the, and that is what the left is advocating for. That's why they chant <clears throat> from the river to the sea. So what's the hypocrisy on the left? Well, then they say, but in our Western countries, what Douglas Murray has said, in our Western countries, then it's, oh, well, they, they belong here. Well, we want to have uh, free immigration and open borders and that they should be able to, we should, you know, be fruitful and multiply and that, you know, London should be completely swarmed by Islamists and people that hate them. So if that's, if the indigenous people argument applies in the Middle East, why doesn't it apply in countries like the United States or Great Britain? Does that make sense? Did I explain that accurately? I'd love to hear your thoughts and respond with feedback again at that text line. 573-319-1586 is a text line. I might be able to find that, um, that clip again uh, where he talks about it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. The here's the clip. I'm sure I should have never closed it. Usually, I keep my clips in case people are in case people didn't get a chance to hear them. Uh, I think here it is. They come up with this idea, for instance, that there are indigenous people who were who were who were moved out. The Palestinians are indigenous people, and they were moved out by the Jews. You can do that if you want. Now let's do Britain. You want to play the indigenous people own the land first game, and the other people should fuck off. I do not want to live in a country with Hamas supporters. I want them deported. I want them chucked out. Simple. If there are people in the UK who are offended by the posters of missing Jewish children, they must leave. There you go. Two can play that game. That's Douglas Murray. It looks like he's on the uh, Trigonometry podcast there. So this was uh, this one came out. Uh, last night, Sunday, the 5th of November, you can watch that at Trigger at TriggerPod. Douglas Murray um, <clears throat> makes this one. This was a really popular clip everybody was talking about here. These were Antifa activists uh, having a run-in with um, with Islamists. Take a listen to this. We're talking about transgender youth to Muslims. This guy is trying to propagate anti-LGBTQ 
anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they are not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Suck your mum, bro. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. So here we see, a, he's probably a Christian activist. He's saying children cannot consent to puberty blockers. That's the sign. They're in London. And Antifa is is saying, he's trying to say that, that children cannot consent to being transgender. And the Muslims oh, are children, like, oh, he's right. They're not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Suck your mum, bro. No, no, no. no, no, no. black nail polish on the man, my bro. Stop talking. Stop. You have black nail polish on as a man, my yeah, bro. Stop talking. You can't do that. Yeah, you have to respect that religion. What religion are you? He's Antifa. He's <laughs> his religion is God. Who are you then? What do you identify yourself as? What do you identify as? God. He doesn't have a religion. He just wants to cause mayhem. No, I've got to say it's true. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Again, send us a text on the show here at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in says, good morning, homie. Hope everything is doing well. Appreciate uh, you all joining us today. And thank you for those text messages. Uh, another listener says, um, my only other suggestion for a guest would be Gerald Salente. Oh, I like Gerald Salente. I used to book him on uh, the judges show. He says that seems like you and a lot of others failed to want to even talk about it. Uh, the crimes Israeli government commits, you failed to want to talk about that. Uh, I, I'm fine with talking about it. I'm, I'm saying it right now. I'm reading your text message. He says, it's sad. Both sides are committing major atrocities and innocent civilians on both sides are in the crossfire. It's just even more sad that the kill ratio is so abhorrent. Well, the problem with like the idea of the kill ratio, the, the sheer number argument is they're killing more babies than the other side is killing babies. The problem with that argument is this, intent matters. This is why uh, what I've tried so hard to get through the thick skulls of my anarcho-capitalist friends over the last few weeks is intent matters. If grandma uh, accidentally loses her glasses while she's driving and runs over 10 people, and uh, and kills them, and Jeffrey Dahmer, let's see, say, only kills and eats nine people, they're not the same, right? A grandma's not worse than Jeffrey Dahmer. Do you understand the difference between intent? Like, there's a reason why we have murder in the first degree, murder in the second degree, voluntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. There's a reason why we have degrees when it comes to a killing, whether it's a lawful killing sometimes or an unlawful killing, right? Sometimes killings can be lawful, but you might lose a civil suit, for example, right? So the problem is, is that both sides, the, the both sides argument is that it does not uh, account for intent. Intent matters. It does. It does. You, you can't just say words like genocide. Oh, Israel is committing genocide. If Israel were committing genocide, do they have plans to invade Jordan? Do they have plans to eliminate Palestinians and other countries? No, so a genocide would mean it would be something more like gas the Jews, kill the Jews. Like they want to kill the Palestinians and the Islamists want to kill Jews all over the world. They want to commit genocide. If Israel wanted to commit genocide, they could absolutely do it. They are a nuclear power. They could commit genocide but they don't. Another listener questioned in, uh, questioned in on 
Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds endorsing Ron DeSantis. Uh, I well, good for DeSantis. Uh, again, think he's a great governor. Got nothing unkind to say, but I don't think it will matter in the end. That's just my opinion on things. Uh, why is it though that no countries in the Middle East? Why is it that their Arab brothers and sisters do not want Palestinians? within their borders. Why doesn't Egypt, for example, want Palestinian refugees? Why doesn't Jordan, a Palestinian state, why doesn't Jordan want Palestinian refugees? Nick Freitas, a former Green Beret and a member of the uh, House of Delegates in Virginia, did a great video that we should take a listen to and respond. Why doesn't any, why don't any of the other Arab countries want Palestinian refugees? Take a look and a listen. Why aren't more Arab countries in the Middle East taking in Palestinian refugees? The onset of a renewed war between Israel and Hamas has led to fears that millions of Palestinian people living in the Gaza Strip may be forced to become refugees. But despite the fact that Gaza shares a border with Egypt, the Egyptian government almost immediately ruled out any possibility of accepting Palestinian refugees. In fact, Egypt is currently constructing an even larger border wall with Gaza than the one it currently has in place. Now, many outside observers have asked why Egypt, a majority Arab and Islamic nation, would turn away the Palestinian people. People. And of course, many have pointed out that it may serve the political interests of many Arab nations to refuse to accept Palestinian refugees because it allows them to then blame Israel for any sort of humanitarian crisis that unfolds. But the thing is, historically, many Arab nations have accepted Palestinian refugees. And that may be why Egypt doesn't want to now. For example, in 1991, the Kuwaiti government actually expelled nearly 300,000 Palestinians in the aftermath of the first Gulf War. And this represented an astonishing 18% of Kuwait's entire population. So what was the reason? Well, the Palestinian Liberation Organization had actually supported Saddam Hussein's invasion of Kuwait a year earlier. And this support only grew after Iraq began attacking Israel with rockets throughout the war. After Kuwait's liberation, the government considered much of the Palestinian community to be complicit in the Iraqi occupation of their country. And in response, nearly all Palestinians were deported in just a few months. And this wasn't the first time something like this had happened. Decades earlier, the Palestinian groups operating in Jordan had come to openly call for the overthrow of Jordan's monarchy in the aftermath of the Six-Day War. At the time, the PLO maintained its own separate army on Jordanian soil and used that armed force to sow chaos. Armed gangs of PLO militants drove around the capital of Amman, robbing families and businesses in the name of collecting financial assistance for the ongoing war of attrition against Israel. When members of the Jordanian police and army tried to defend their citizens from these attacks, they were attacked and killed. The Palestinian political network operated as a state within a state, with militants repeatedly using Jordan to launch rockets into Israel. The Marxist-Leninist popular front for the liberation of Palestine even went so far as to hijack multiple planes, diverting the flights to a Palestinian-controlled airfield in Jordan, where the passengers were held hostage. By September 1970, the Jordanian army had finally had enough. A full-scale war with the PLO broke out, and after 10 months of fighting, the Palestinians were driven out of the country. Yet, as a parting gift, a Palestinian terrorist group known as Black September assassinated the Jordanian prime minister. Sadly, the story doesn't end there. Geez, I wonder why nobody wants them in their country. Oh. Because the PLO then moved into Lebanon where they allied themselves with Marxist and socialist movements that were seeking to overthrow Lebanon's conservative Maronite Christian government. The presence of thousands of Palestinian militants flooding into the country 
completely destabilized Lebanon and plunged the entire nation into chaos. Less than four years after the PLO was expelled from Jordan, Lebanon found itself in the middle of one of the most bloody and chaotic civil wars in Middle Eastern history, from which it has never fully recovered. In short, Palestinian organizations have not just attacked Israel. They have sowed unrest in many of the neighboring Arab and Muslim countries as well, and this has led those governments to the conclusion that allowing for mass immigration or even just refugee camp resettlement within their borders would lead to domestic unrest for their own countries. And this, of course, only exacerbates the humanitarian crisis for those Palestinian non-combatants caught in the middle. The problem is, as long as terrorist organizations like Hamas and others are elected to represent the Palestinian people, their plight will most likely continue, as neither Israel nor apparently the surrounding Arab nations want to see their own populations threatened by terrorist groups. Well, that's fascinating, but it's all Israel's fault, of course, not the other Arab nations that have expelled Palestinians from within their borders. No, it's all Israel's fault. Israel has created the, the Gaza prison. Israel is responsible for this. That is bullshit. Wouldn't you agree? Of course you do. It's easy for you to agree when I can just push the button and make you cheer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, though. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show and let us know how you feel today? How about down from the boot heel this morning, Leisha Wilder? What's up, Leisha? Good morning from the boot heel. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Uh, and I think this is a sarcastic uh, question. LDub78 says, does that mean you are fine with Israel flattening Gaza? No, but it's not up to me. And I think the problem with American foreign policy in regards to Israel is that we tie, as Ron Paul has even said in his speeches, is that we tie Israel's hands behind their backs and tell them that they can't commit to the defense of their own sovereign nation in a way that they might find they might find amenable. Um, as a matter of fact, I should just find that quote of Ron Paul, Israel, uh, and pull it up for you guys because I really like the way that Ron uh, phrased this in regards to uh, uh, Israel being able to defend themselves. Uh, let's see here. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I tell you what, I'm going to go find this clip. I've got a great, I've, I forgot. We've got Anthony Rogers this morning on the show. He did a nice little segment for you to talk about daylight savings. So let's hear from Anthony Rogers and I'll go get that Ron Paul clip, clip for you. I'm a Jew I love this. I love this video. This is a guy who's a Jewish guy. He went undercover at the Palestine rallies over the weekend. Take a listen to this. Undercover at a free Palestine rally? To see what the real is hey, How would you describe it, Jew? They're, they're devils. Who's at fault? The Jews. The Jews. Always been a problem. So if they do take Palestine, where do the 12 million Jews go? Go to hell. Yeah, that's the literal slogan. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Okay, if we free Palestine, where do the Jews go? Hey, go back to Brooklyn, bitch! Shout out to Kanye. He was right. You know, conduct our father. How do I know that you are... That I'm not a Jew? Get the fuck out of my face. Get out of my face. The Hamas put the action they've taken. It's not a terrorist attack. I am queer for Palestine, yes. What do you think about the argument when people are... I am queer for Palestine, yes. He is a homo for Gaza, they kill gay people. It's very unsafe to be queer here too. You know, if you but they're not actually. <laughs> it's, it's very unsafe 
to be queer here too, he says, as he openly flies the pride flag and dances around with his wiki willy whacker all over the place in front of children on the streets. It's very unsafe, very unsafe for to be queer. Killing here. gay people for being gay by law, right? The way it is in Gaza. But why do we keep going back to like Ga Gaza? Why is there? Why do we keep going back to Gaza at the Gaza uh, the rally? For them to have a homeland. Nobody else has a homeland. Where are you from, if you don't mind me asking? My family's from Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan, by the way, so that's a Muslim country, right? Predominantly, yes. So would you consider that your homeland? Yes, so I guess I do have a claim over that, but you can't claim Israel. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Nobody has a homeland. Except for me, uh, Israel. I love. I always love the argument too, and I tweeted about that this morning. The idea that uh, Israel, uh, that that the Jews, they they ask the question. These are typically the anti-Semites. They'll say, "Well, why do the Jews? Well, why would the Jews keep getting kicked out of other countries? Why would they get kicked out of other countries?" Hmm. As if to, of course, to assume that you know the rapist was wearing the clothes and that they deserved it. But why would the Jews keep getting kicked out of other countries? I wonder why. And then on the other hand, but the Jews don't deserve a country. So you want to kick them out of the country, but then you don't want them to have their homeland. I mean, it's funny because I was, I was listening to a, um, an audio uh, podcast this morning about the, um, the Jewish Zionists uh, during World War I and the Balfour Declaration that was um, the statement by a British uh, diplomat who said that they wanted the Jews, then the Zionists, to have their own country. And it was fascinating to learn that the many British anti-Semites also wanted the Jews and the Zionists to go to Israel because they wanted them out of their own countries. So how can you have on one hand the view that you say, oh, well, they have to leave all these countries because we don't like them. We want the Jews out of our countries, but then also they don't, they can't have their own country. This is why Israel exists is because the pogroms and because of the anti-Semitism around the world that wants to drive them out. And it makes sense. I, I, I can't wait to read this book. Um, it's coming in today. It's called like the Eagle and the, the gray, gray Eagle and the, the Black Crow. I can't remember the, the title of it off the top of my head, but it's coming in today from Amazon, and it was highly recommended to me about uh, Serbian or Yugoslavian nationalism that contributed to the uh, pogroms of, and the Holocaust of the Jews in Europe. This is pre-World War II in what is now thought of as Yugoslavia. Uh, and the pre-World War II environment that Jews lived in, why there was so much hatred for the Jews, well, one, because they denied Christian gods, right? And people are always going to chafe at that, right? So how would you feel if I told you that your God was fake, right? You would be upset about that. Of course you would. And the Jews think that Jesus is not the Messiah. People take offense at that, obviously. So that's going to be one aspect of it. And then two, if you are a dictator, you want to keep your people poor and stupid. And you want to ensure that they don't get that they're just smart enough to run the plants and run the factories and build the tanks and the munitions and the machines, but not so intelligent that they might overthrow you, right? What government is going to teach its people to be intelligent enough to be able to overthrow that government? Well, when Jewish intellectuals show up, they say, well, your gods are fake and you're, the people who are controlling you, your dictators and your popes and your priests um, are tyrants and they're telling you what to do. Oh, and also Jesus was not the son of God. That might inspire some hatred. Yes, that might be a reason why people would hate Jewish intellectuals because Jewish intellectuals bring Jewish capitalism. And that was one of Adolf Hitler's uh, uh, reasons for why he hated the Jews because he hated 
Of course, he hated Jewish Marxism as well. I don't, you know, you sh it should be obvious, of course. But people, what what is lesser known is that Hitler, of course, also hated Jewish capitalism. That's why he hated the United States and saw a conflict with the United States as inevitable as well, because we've got some Jewish capitalism here. And we do have Jewish capitalism here in the United States. Think about all the Jews who pioneered modern libertarianism, much to the grin of many anti-Semitic libertarians. Jesus. Murray Rothbard, anybody? Oh, he's an atheist. Okay, well, yeah, Jewish intellectual. <laughs> we'll talk about that with Ian Howarth when we get back on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Society is trying to propagate anti-LGBTQ anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they are not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Stop your mum, bro. No, 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 no. You're black. You don't punish one as a man, my bro. Stop talking. Stop talking. Let me some religion. You can't do that. Yeah, you have to respect that street sign there with that placard just watching antifa and Islamists fighting it out he's got to be doing that meme uh, you know let them fight let them fight yes i guess let them fight maybe that's why joe biden's coalition is starting to pull themselves apart because none of this makes any sense uh maybe my next guest is going to be able to make some sense of it all his name is ian howarth He's joining us live right now. He's the host of Off Limits with Ian Howarth. Good morning, Ian. How are you doing today, sir? And thanks for having me as always. Yep, thanks so much, Ian. So Antifa activists arguing with Islamist activists at the Free Palestine rallies over transgender children. Um, make it all make sense for us. I mean, you can't make it make sense. You cannot rationalize the irrational. At this point, you know, the radical left and radical Islam have teamed up to take over the world and destroy the world, uh, except there's only room for one of them in the car. And so at this point, they're almost skipping the destroying the world part and arguing over who should have control. I mean, the fact that you've seen queers for Palestine, gays for Gaza, um, signs at every single one of these protests, uh, go and be a gay in Gaza, see how long it lasts. Meanwhile, Tel Aviv has one of the biggest, if not the biggest pride parades in Europe. And so it's just absurd from every single level. It doesn't matter where you start in this issue. Uh, you end up with this insanity of people tearing each other apart. I'm reading this morning, uh, Joe Biden's coalition is starting to fall apart. Do you think that this Israel-Gaza issue from a political perspective, I mean, just a rather moral one, might be part of the reason why Joe Biden, I mean, his approval ratings have been in the tank mm -hmm. before, but I mean, how does he square the circle, right? How does he make this happen? Because he's got Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, right, the anti-Semite caucus on one hand, and then he's got the historic support of the Democratic establishment for Israel, and there are still many pro-Israel Democrats, and many of them are, <laughs> are wondering if they still should be pro-Israel Democrats, and some of them are pulling their funding from, from universities uh, and such, and not choosing not to hire some of these weird kids. But I mean, how does Joe Biden square that circle? I mean, he can't. You know, he's gotten in bed with the Rudy Shida Tlaibs of the world, and now she's putting out propaganda videos for Hamas, basically threatening Joe Biden with losing Michigan. So now he's got to choose uh, between standing with an ally and standing up against terrorism or sucking up to radical Islam for votes in Michigan, which is apparently what Michigan wants. Uh, I think the, the actual proportion of voters in Michigan who want Hamas to win, very, very small. But when you get videos of any crowds, you can make it seem like that's what the people want. Um, but let's not forget Joe Biden got in bed with these people. Like from the very start, he was sucking up to the Ilan Omars, the Rashida Tlaibs, the AOCs, all of the squad, because he wants their support. Like all of these politicians, they'll suck up to the right people if it will work out for them in the short term. And then he went and did what Obama did, which is set fire to the entire world. And now he's having to actually 
face the consequences of that. And you've got Obama doing this world tour suddenly, pontificating about how we're all responsible for this. Like, no, this didn't happen under Donald Trump. This happened under Barack Obama and now Joe Biden, because they have the same absurd foreign policy, which is that you can bribe radical Islam into not wanting to chop your head off. Uh, Newsflash, that's not true. Uh, Ian, uh, do you feel safe uh, as a Jewish person if you were in New York or uh, in LA or some of these metropolitan areas here in the United States? Would you feel safe if you were in Dearborn, Michigan? Oh, I... I think that the the issue of safety is one that I think is something that Jews should never really feel safe. Like the fact is Jews are a minority in almost everywhere in the world, except for Israel. And uh, everywhere in the world, there are people who want to hurt Jews, want to kill Jews, want to persecute Jews. This isn't you know me ringing the victim bell. It's just simply a reality of being Jewish in the world. And so I, I don't really feel unsafe particularly, um, but I also am approaching this from a position where I'm expecting people to want to do what they say they want to do to us. You know, there are people marching in the streets screaming for the death of Jews. They're not exactly being subtle about it. Um, I'm also an American who exercises my Second Amendment rights, which is something that Jews in the vast majority of history have not been able to do. And so extremely grateful to live in a country that allows me that basic freedom. Um, and I think, you know, Jews in Israel are doing the same thing. They were handing out firearms to Jews. And so I think Jews out there shouldn't necessarily feel unsafe, but they should look in the um, in the face of reality and understand that they are in danger and they need to take steps to um, to really mitigate that danger. Uh, I don't think Jews should be avoiding public places. I don't think Jews should be hiding their Star of Davids or hiding their yarmulkes or any of that. It's like time for hiding is gone. Like we've done that for thousands of years. Jews have run away for thousands of years. They've been pushed out of their homes for thousands of years. I'm done with that bullshit. I'm standing where I deserve to be um, like any Jew should, like any citizen of any country should. We deserve to be citizens of the United States, of Israel, of the United Kingdom, of other European countries. Don't run away. Stand up for this stuff, because ultimately there are good people out there, um, you included, who are standing up for this, who aren't Jewish. Um, but there are a lot of people who are apathetic and a lot of people who are violently opposed to the mere existence of Jews. So I think it's time for Jews to stand up collectively and just say no to this nonsense. I spoke to Zvi uh, Waldman last week. He's the head of the New York State Jewish Gun Club. He says that people who he is who had never imagined in the Jewish community would be interested in buying guns have been contacting him for information about uh, how to buy a gun, train with a gun, use a gun. Uh, is uh, anecdotally is this something you've seen and heard as well? Yes, um, specifically, almost entirely from you know Democrat Jews that I'm in contact with. Um, I think the the reality of what the Second Amendment is about has just exploded quite literally onto the scene. You know, it's very easy to talk about the Second Amendment. It's, oh, it's just about hunting. It's just about um, clay pigeon shooting. It's just about gun collecting. No, it's about fighting against tyranny and your fundamental right to defend yourself, your family, your community from tyranny, to defend life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the entire point. And uh, it is quite funny, I find, the way in the past, a lot of Democrat Jews, they love to talk about the Holocaust and things like that from the perspective of victimhood. But they don't like to talk about the fact that things like the Second Amendment are a barrier against that. They're not a barrier against being victimized, but it gives you the ability to actually stand on your own two feet as an equal and defend yourself when other people will not. Uh, so it's it's wonderful to see a lot of Democratic uh, Jews wake up to this and realize what the Second Amendment is about. And uh, maybe that these evil, terrifying AR-15s are actually a wonderful um, tool of self-defense when you have people marching around the country trying to chop your head off. I mean, we had um, a president of a synagogue in Detroit brutally stabbed to death outside her home. No one cares. That is the reality for a lot of Jews is that you may be facing violence and it's time to protect against it because ultimately you don't have a choice in a lot of places like Dearborn, like New York, 
uh, like Los Angeles, like Chicago. Uh, I'm lucky to live in a red state where I feel like my neighbors would certainly be on my side with those kind of things. A lot of people will look the other way because they've done that for all of history. Uh, so the Second Amendment is there for a reason, and it's time to take advantage of it. There you go. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm speaking to Ian Howarth. He's joining us today from, I believe, Nashville, Tennessee. That's his home base. Ian is uh, the host of Off Limits. You can find him at IG Howarth, spelled H-A-W-O-R-T-H. Looks like Hayworth, but it's pronounced like how on earth. IG, uh, IG Howarth over on uh, Twitter, if you want to find him, or I guess x.com, host of Off Limits. Um, so, Ian... I was playing a clip earlier today from Nick Freitas. He's a, a very good libertarian member of the House of uh, uh, Representatives out in Virginia. Uh, House, of, I think they call it the House of Delegates. And he gave a good explanation for why none of the other Arab countries want to have the Palestinian people be refugees into their countries. Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Saudi Arabia doesn't want them. Lebanon doesn't want them. None of the other countries. Of course, it's all Israel's, Israel's fault that you know Gaza exists and that Gaza is the situation that it's in. Not because, you know, because of course the Palestinian people don't have agency, and of course they didn't elect Hamas and they don't overwhelmingly support Hamas. But it's Israel's fault, N nonetheless. What is to be done? I mean, I, it is the eternal question, the question that that I think no one can answer specifically because it's the land of no good options. What mm -hmm. is to be done? No one wants to see more innocents be killed. Obviously, the terrorists deserve to be brought to justice, but what should be done with these people? Well, I think uh, two things. I think one, on a very fundamental level, we need to stop rewarding terrorism because the history of Palestinian leadership has been one of pretending to want peace and then reverting to violence and then using that violence to get a seat at the table. There is a reason Palestinian leadership has a seat at so many international organizations' tables, whereas Tibet does not. The Kurds do not. Uh, the Uyghur Muslims in China do not. And so the reason for that is that they have employed terrorism to great effect. Terrorism is entirely profitable. And then on a higher level, we need to return to the attitude that um, the Trump administration had in terms of the Abraham Accords, is that we can engage with the rest of the Arab world who don't want to engage in this terror really anymore, certainly to the extent they do. I'm not going to pretend that some of these countries aren't still funding, uh, but like UAE, Saudi Arabia, to some extent, like we were on a path to peace in the Middle East that seemed implausible just a few years ago the kind of thing that John Kerry would scoff at. Um, and then Iran comes in and basically sets fire to the region on purpose because they want to undo that progress. But that progress was made because we essentially ignored the threat of terrorism coming from groups like Iran and the Palestinian organizations and things like that. We don't need to engage with them as if they deserve a seat at the table when this is how they behave. Um, but right now I'm seeing the opposite. I'm seeing terrorism rewarded. I'm seeing it rationalized. I'm seeing it um, viewed as equivalent to self-defense, the fact that you can have 1,400, 1,500 innocent Jewish civilians, mostly Jewish civilians, blown up, tortured, mutilated, raped, shot in the back, burned alive. And then you, you can have see people say, well, Israel does stuff too. There is no equivalence between what the Israeli military does targeting Hamas terrorists who are using human shields and terrorists who go out and target civilians intentionally. Until we can understand that obvious moral fact then the Palestinian organizations like Hamas, Hezbollah, 
and their other leadership groups will just continue to be rewarded. This is what Yasser Arafat did for years. This is what Arab leaders did for years prior to the existence of Israel, if you want to call it the modern state of Israel. And so we've got to stop rewarding terrorism. If we keep rewarding terrorism, guess what? We're going to get more terrorism. Interesting. Uh, uh, Ian, uh, now this might be an issue on which we might actually differ. I agree with you on the on the moral arguments that you've made there. And certainly I am not, uh, I, I'm, I'm objective, I think, but I'm not unbiased, mm-hmm. right? I can look at situations objectively. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, I don't poo-poo what I believe to be legitimate criticisms of Israel, most of which I think actually center on their economic policies domestically rather than their, their foreign policies, although there are bones to pick there. But when I look at things from a macro lens, it's much clearer. I think the problem with these debates that we see so often is that somebody committed this war crime, this person, this side committed this war crime, this side killed this many babies. Oh, well, that side committed that, killed that many babies. And it it really makes it impossible for anyone to really get a good bird's eye view of things if you're always looking at things on the ground. From a moral perspective of, you know, the 10,000 foot view of things, I think that the moral weight lies on the side of Israel as a more liberal, developed nation that actually affords human rights to its own people and doesn't commit actual legitimate acts of terrorism, if you will. People would disagree, but that's fine. So I'm objective, but I'm not unbiased. Now, here on the issue of the question of the United States's role Mm -hmm. in Israel, I very much believe in America first, Ian. Uh, I think the Israeli people, I wish them well. But I don't think that it's in Americans' best interest to get involved militarily or financially. Diplomatically, yes. Openly support of them, sure. Perhaps even in in intelligence capacities, right? We pass them information like I would to anybody's about, hey, this is going to happen. This is coming down the pike. You might want to look out for it. Yes. But I don't know that I can justify taxing my neighbors to -hmm. get involved or to send their blood, more American blood, to the Middle East to die in something that I don't know that it necessarily has to do with American national security entirely. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I wonder your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's, honestly, I come down on the side that I'm not calling. I haven't called once for American aid for Israel or for military on the ground or certainly American military uh, personnel on the ground. Uh, I don't even think Israel is calling for that. Um, For me, the concern I have is often the American first line. I think uh, for people like you acting in good faith, it's a perfectly fine argument to have. But to some extent, it's being used as a straw man to ignore the actual issue at hand, which for me is the moral issue. It is the fact that Joe Biden is providing resources to both sides of this issue. The fact that Joe Biden gave basically a green light to Iran by providing them with $6 billion. And uh, we're also seeing that uh, based on some reports, this attack was originally planned for Passover and Iran wanted to delay it so they could get these resources from the United States and then proceed to attack one of the United States' greatest allies, certainly the greatest ally in the region. That's the issue for me. The issue isn't how much money we give to Israel. Um, I I think funding these things is a can of worms to some extent. I think there are good reasons for the United States to provide military aid to Israel that are beyond just providing aid. I think there's a lot of benefits to that, but that's a separate debate for me. I would be happy with zero dollars sent if Joe Biden could stand up and reject the nonsense on the other side, reject the moral equivalent stuff, stand like the vice chancellor of Germany came out and spoke very, in a very raw, honest fashion to this issue of there is no equivalence between Israel on one side and Hamas terrorists on the other. And there has to be an expectation for behavior of Palestinian citizens. The idea that they are all just innocent victims of this, that they don't support Hamas, that they're not cheering in the streets for this. 
that they're not engaging in acts of terror alongside groups like Hamas. I would much rather have basic honesty from the United States and their leadership than have a single dollar sent to Israel. That's what I think would actually change something here. I think however many billions of dollars to continue funding violence on either side will not solve the fundamental issue, which is that people ignore that the Palestinian organizations, Palestinians' leadership rely on the constant state of victimhood and the constant lie that terrorism is resistance. That's what needs to be solved. Uh, maybe Joe Biden if uh, can come out with a speech and say that if you don't vote for me, then you're not a real Jew. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I got to say, I stole that from our listener, uh, Wood Hippie, who sent me a text this morning. What's up, Wood Hippie? I bastardized it from him. He says, he, Wood Hippie wonders how Jewish people react to Joe telling they're not Jewish, they don't vote for them. By the way, this is how the black community is feeling about their votes for Biden. This could be the issue that sinks Joe Biden in the, in the election next year, not to be too selfish here and you know advance our own political interests, Ian, but God bless America if we can get rid of Joe Biden. And if this is the thing that sinks him, so be it. What do you say? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, anything that sinks Joe Biden would be fantastic. He's been an unmitigated disaster, um, first domestically, because that's what should really matter to American voters. Just look at the economy, look at the state of the country, look at the fact that people are trying to smash down the gates of the White House and the media is coming out and uh, calling it passionate. You know, this is fiery, but mostly peaceful all over again. Uh, I think Joe Biden obviously needs to be uh, removed from office. But everyone like him needs to be removed from office too. We need to be pushing back against the radicalization of the Democratic Party. And I think the only way we can do that is to have some semblance of normality and uh, grown-up level politics from the GOP. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing a lot of that. And so we talked about this in 2022. This is the ultimate opportunity to make progress. We were talking about a red wave that never materialized. Uh, the GOP needs to pull its finger out and really take advantage. Unfortunately, it's a horrible way to talk about it. It sounds very cynical, but they need to take advantage of this because if you cannot win an election when you have the president of the United States setting fire to both domestic policy and the world, like the world has fallen apart under Joe Biden and it is almost entirely Joe Biden's fault. If you cannot win an election under those factors, you don't deserve to win an election. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic, but the GOP never fails to disappoint. So I guess we'll see next year. Ian, I'll tell you, ever since October 7th, it's felt like a veil of darkness has yeah. has covered the world. And there are very few people out there that I see that are whose voices really are shining a light um, and being objective, uh, bringing reality based a commentary to what's going on around the world. And, and I definitely think that you're one of those people. That's why I keep bringing you back here on the show. I, I, I really uh, I think I admire you to an extent, Ian. Uh, so I was hoping that maybe you could share for our listeners where they can learn a little bit more. Maybe you can shed a little bit of light for them. Where can they find you online? Yeah, I appreciate that, Austin. Thank you. Uh, so you can find my videos. It's called Off Limits with Ian Howarth. That's H-A-W-O-R-T-H. You can find that on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook. I post them on Twitter too. Uh, all of my social media is I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. And there you can find my columns for the Washington Examiner, New York Post, Newsweek, and a bunch of other outlets. So lots of different options. There you go. Ian Howard, thank you very much for your time today, sir. We're grateful for it. And we look forward to having you back again very soon. Stay safe out there. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. What do you think of Ian Howarth? Give him a round of applause and click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you enjoy that commentary, did you guys see the news or hear the news that we are very excited? My wife, Stephanie, and I are very excited to introduce a new flavor of Founding Flavors Coffee. We already sold a few bags this weekend. This is a limited edition coffee that we will have for a brief amount of time. You can get only at AP4LibertyShop.com. Check it out. Martha's Mint Coffee, my wife and I bring to you 
the deliciousness of founding flavors. Martha's Mint Coffee, blending the timeless charm of the first first lady with the holiday season's magic. Naturally flavored peppermint coffee, like the soft mint hues inside Mount Vernon. It's an invitation to savor history and festivity. Elevate your cup by blending with milk and sweetener or adding a dash of chocolate sauce. Mmm, absolutely delicious. Mecca, you feel so good. Get some Martha's Mint Founding Flavors Coffee at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Well, what did you think of what have you thought of the show so far today? Happy Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in the show. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. And you can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Quest Fanning says Martha's mint better than gub mint. Yes. Blue Drag says, I think your coffee ad just gave me diabetes. Yes, it's so good. Did you guys see the uh, coffee commercial that we had in there? Sorry about Anthony Rogers' video not having sound. I guess I'll have to get with um, Anthony on that one. Some kind of technical issue there. I thought that we had it solved, but you know what? I screwed it up. But uh, yeah, I I love the Martha's Mint brand just because if you've never been to Mount Vernon in Virginia, it's beautiful. Next time you go to Washington, D.C., make sure that you visit Mount Vernon. Go on a tour of the first president's home. You learn so much about the history of the president. And so when you walk into their drawing room, you actually can see the, um, you can see their, or their, their living room is what they called it. You can actually see the wallpaper or the paint on the walls is actually like a cool mint. So that's why I decided to use Martha Washington for Martha's Mint. And we made a quick little brief commercial where I put some of the intro, some of the video from Mount Vernon in there so you can take a look. This is like 30 seconds, so take a look. All right, there you go. What do you think? Are you guys going to try some Martha's Mint? I love the technical stuff going on this morning. There be gremlins, this guys. These guys, there do be gremlins. Okay, well, last story for you, as I promised here. Flight attendant speaking out on a hidden button on an airplane seat. It's a game changer for people like me and you. You know, we get uncomfortable in our airline seats. This is probably the newest hack that I've seen that is actually useful for somebody like myself. A flight attendant in the UK shared an airplane hack for travelers who are looking to be more comfortable in the aisle seat. If you're sitting in the aisle seat and you have an armrest, have you ever wanted to like lift up the armrest on the aisle seat, right? So you don't want to have it. You want to be able to just kind of like spread out into the aisle. That's, that's me. I'm an aisle seat person. I don't understand people who want to get squished inside up against the window. People like to look out the window. Okay, I've seen the ground from 30,000 feet up, right? Like maybe if you're taking like some kind of historic trip, like Stephanie, she loves the window seat. Fine. Who wants to sit in the middle? Not me. I'm an aisle seat guy, so I can get up, use the bathroom, stretch my legs, do what I need to do. And I hate having those like because I'm starting to get a little bit wider, thicker, little in the middle, but I got much back actually wider in the middle and I got still got much back. But um, if you have always wanted to get that aisle seat armrest up, apparently there is a way to do it, right? So there's a little hack. There's a hidden button underneath the armrest. So if you look underneath the armrest, or you feel underneath the, um, the armrest, there is a little key, a little button that you can use to lift up the armrest on the aisle seat. It's a total game changer. Most airlines have them. So it's a hidden option underneath it. So there's a little hack, hidden button underneath there. So all you have to do is reach out underneath that 
airline seat all the way in the back. It's like really close to where your elbow would be. If your elbow is on the armrest, there's a little hidden button there. And now you know the airline hack. There you go. Are you an aisle person or are you a... Do you do an aisle person or do you do the, um, oh, somebody says still no audio. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it must be the scene there that I did there that there's no audio. So sorry about that, guys. Usually videos should just play. Martha's my commercial. That's really weird. Sorry about that. Anyways, hopefully you guys will be able to see it tomorrow. I'll get it all fixed up. So how about that? What do you say? Tech issues today. Jesus. Oh. I'll do my best. Well, winners always, uh, losers always complain about their best. Winners go home and stop the prom queen. All right, Sean Connery from The Rock. Well, what do you guys think? Don't forget, text us in anytime, night or day. 573-319-1586. Get yourself a bag of Martha's Mint Coffee at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.